to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe Pettick teaches from the book of Revelation. Chapter 7. If you can turn with me, please, to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. The title of our message this morning is Revival. So Revelation 7, verse 9. I don't know if you've heard the the story about in 1857, there was a 46-year-old man named Jeremiah Lampfear, and he lived in New York City. And I don't know if you you heard, but he, he loved the Lord and he desired to be used by God, but he didn't know exactly how to accomplish that. And the story goes that he... His church asked if he could be part of a, like a inner city missionary work to hand out tracts. So he went out and he was handing out tracts in the inner city of New York City. And he was, you know, talking to people about Jesus. And he just felt nothing was really happening. Nothing was taking place. And he felt the Lord kind of prompt his heart to, you know, to pray and just keep praying. So he started praying and he thought, wow, if God wants me to pray, maybe he wants other people to pray. So he handed out flyers for a Wednesday afternoon prayer meeting between noon and one, a one-hour prayer, and he kept, he was handing out flyers, he put out posters, and, and it were, the story goes that his first time, he's all excited, waiting for all the people to get there to pray, and nobody showed up. So he got in his hands and knees for the first half hour, and he just kept praying and seeking the Lord, and then after about 30 minutes, it says that five people ended up showing up. The next week, 10 people showed up. The next week, 20 to 30, or I believe 30 to 40 people showed up. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. And it came to a place where after that, different ministers started showing up and different ministers says, we're going to do this in our church. And within six months, over 5,000 prayer groups met every day in New York, in New York. And it just spread like wildfire. Check this out. It kept spreading throughout different places, Philadelphia, Detroit, Washington, D.C., Detroit, thank you, Washington, D.C. Even Franklin Pierce, the president, started showing up almost every day to the noontime prayer meeting. By, nine, excuse me, by 1859, some 15,000 cities in America were having downtown prayer meetings every noon, and thousands and thousands of people gave their lives to Christ. That sounds like a revival to me. I don't know about you, but I look at that story and I think about, this was just an ordinary man, but he wanted to see an extraordinary God do an extraordinary work, and he prayed. And I, I don't know, maybe some of you were here during you know, the Jesus movement. I wasn't saved. How many people were saved during the Jesus movement? Can I say one, two, three, four, five, half? He's not quite up yet. I don't know if he's all there. In, yes, okay. Five, maybe six? Wow. I don't know about you, but I want to see another Jesus movement. How about you? And I believe God wants to do another Jesus movement. And I'm totally looking forward to that. But in our text here, we're going to see a revival that's going to take place during the time of tribulation. And it's going to be a revival like we've never seen on earth. So let's take a look. Revelation 7, picking up in verse 9. It says, verse 9, after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, 
who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I'll tell you, we've been looking at the time of tribulation. And I don't know what it does for you, but I'll tell you what it, can, what it does to me. It makes me, every time I read it about the great tribulation period, I think, I don't want to be there. Devastation is taking place. John the Apostle looks into the future. He's caught up into heaven, and he gets to see future events, things that are going to take place. And we can't stop these things. These will definitely take place. People are going to kill one another. Peace is going to be taken away from the earth. The sun is going to be blackened. The moon is going to be like blood. Meteors are going to fall from the sky. They're going to fall into the you know, people on the earth. People are going to run and hide in caves and into the rocks. And they're going to say, you know, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. This is really going to take place. And I believe it could take place very soon. Because there's nothing on the prophetic calendar that has to take place before the rapture of the church. We could be raptured in the midst of this meeting right now. All of us could be taken up. My question is, would you be left behind? Is there anyone in this sanctuary that would truly be left behind if, if you know deep in your heart that, well, I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven, rapture, I don't even quite understand the rapture. Well, if you don't understand the rapture of the church, it's very possible you're going to be left here. And as soon as the church, please listen to this, as soon as the church is lifted up, there's going to be a false peace for a short period of time, but then all hell literally is going to break loose on this earth. Do you hear about what happened in France? Do you hear what's going on all across the world? I think, I believe we're getting a glimpse of future events. We're getting a glimpse of what's going to happen once the church is taken out of the way. The Bible says that we're the restraining force. Did you know that? Basically, us, the Holy Spirit working in us, there's a, a special work with the church. So the enemy can only get so far. You know, I believe throughout the ages, Antichrist is trying to get in, but he can't get in because it says we're restraining and we're that restraining force of the anti. I believe there's always an antichrist always there waiting to go. And then, it, you know, it's like, is it now? And he's, he's ready to take over, but the church is still here. But as soon as we're taken out of the way, antichrist, this world leader is going to come onto the scene. He's going to rule. He's going to seem like he's a man of peace. Everyone's going to love this man. He's going to be a worldwide leader. People are going to follow after him. And he's going to have them worship him, basically, and take a mark to buy or sell. You'll need a special mark. Well, the ones we're reading about right here, these are the ones that won't take the mark. These are the ones that won't worship the Antichrist, and they're going to have to be killed for their faith, and they're going to have to die for their belief in Jesus Christ. But don't miss this. It's a huge revival that's going to take place. Did you get that? Can we go back in verse 10? Or excuse me, verse 9? 
So after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Hopefully all, you all understand what this means, that these are the, 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 the tribulation saints as it's, it talks about in verse 13 and 14. Remember, we just read it. The elder says, uh, tells John, John, who are these people? Well, if they were part of the church, John would say, of course, they're part of the church, you know, because John is, you know, the apostle of the church. He says, you know. In other words, I don't know. And the elder says that these are the ones that come out of the tribulation period. So these are the martyred saints. But please don't miss this part. Do you see what it says? A great multitude which no one could number. We just looked at last week. 144,000 Jews are sealed. There's a count, 144,000. This could be, we don't know. It could be millions upon millions or even billions of people standing in heaven. Could you imagine that? This is a revival. And you know why I'm excited about this? Because I don't know about you, I have family members, friends, loved ones, and neighbors that do not know Jesus Christ. And my prayers and my hopes, if they don't, they don't make it in the rapture, we're going to be seeing them there in this number. And, and I picture this whole thing. I picture us being up in heaven because the 24 elders, I believe that's the church. We're going to be up there and we're going to watch all this and we're going to be looking for our, our loved ones. And we're going to be through the, 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 the sea of people. We're just going to be watching. Like, no way, they're here. I didn't think you'd make it. I told you about Jesus. You told me, get out of your, your way or whatever. But here you are. Some believe that this is going to be, this revival will be greater, obviously, than any other revival. But they believe that there's going to be more people saved in this group than the 19 plus 100 years of church history. Because they're innumerable. When the Bible says you can't count them, that means you can't count them. I'm excited. And I pray that my family is in that number. I don't know about you. Wouldn't that be exciting? Think about that. I mean, this is... This is in the future. This is what's going to happen. And multitudes are going to be there. And I, I, have just, I just see this picture. We're just going to be looking and saying, where are they? Where's our friends? Where's our loved ones? Where's, the, where's my daughter? Where's my son? Where's, the, you know, where's my uncle? Where's my niece? Where are they? Are they here? And there's going to be a, a great reunion. I have a friend back in Michigan. I've talked about him before, Bill Licavoli, and I told the story how he went to his priest to find out what he could say, you know, get some ammo from his priest to come against, you know, the things that I was telling him about Jesus and being born of the Holy Spirit and going to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross. So he went to his priest and he came back to me and he said, um, I talked to my priest and I wanted to get some ammo to come against you and I wanted to see, you know, combat you and I was writing these things down and he says, my priest told me, listen to that man. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> And after that happened, I looked at my friend, Bill. I says, Bill, so are you ready to receive Jesus then? You, you know this is true. Everything that I'm telling you, it's in the Bible and it's true. And he says, he goes, Joe, I'm not ready. And I says, I'll tell you what, I'll respect that. And he says, you'll be the first one I look to when I'm ready to pray with you. He, he understands it completely, what it means, how to accept Christ and being born again. He gets it, but he says, I'm not ready. But then I told him, I says, Bill, can you at least try to grasp this? I says, after, there's going to be something called the rapture of the church. That's when all the Christians are going to be taken up into heaven. I says, do you get this? And he says, yeah. I says, say it with me, rapture. He says, rapture. I says, okay, you know what? What does that mean? He says, all Christians are going to be taken away. I said, perfect. Remember that. Then they're going to want you to take a mark on your right hand or your forehead to buy or sell. Can I get this straight with you? Don't take the mark. You get that? He goes, don't take the mark. I said, okay, very good. 
Oh, let's go through this again. Where the, what's going to happen to the, the Christians? He goes, rapture. He says, perfect. Then what are you not supposed to take? He says, a mark. And I says, where is it going to be? He says, right hand and forehead. Perfect. And I said, Bill, I love you. You're a good friend of mine. I want to see you in heaven. You need to accept Jesus. And if you go through that tribulation period and you take that mark, you will never go to heaven according to the Bible. Do you understand that? And he says, yes, I understand that. I pray and I hope he receives Christ before the rapture. But if not, I don't know, but I'm going to be looking for Bill Cavoli out in the crowd. And I look forward to hopefully seeing him someday. And I hope that our loved ones are going to be in that multitude. This is a huge revival. What's revival? If you're a note takers, the preacher Charles Finney, he was the leader in the second great awakening in the U.S. He's known as the father of modern revivals. He said about revival, this is what he calls revival. He says, the return of the church from her backsliding and the conversion of sinners. So the return of the church from her backsliding and the conversion of sinners. That's a good definition. Another definition, J.I. Packer, a theologian, says, God's quickening visitation of his people, touching their hearts and deepening his work of grace in their lives. Do you think we need revival in America? A quickening of God's visitation in our community? Yes. God touching the hearts of people and they have a deeper work and understanding of his grace? Yes. Another definition, this is Duncan Campbell. He was the Scottish preacher and the leader of the great Lewis revivals in Scotland in 1940. This is what he said revival is. He says a community, excuse me, a community saturated with God. Those that were here in the Jesus movement, is that what you experienced? Was it a saturation of God in your community? And they're saying, yes. I have to admit, I have like, a, like an envy or a jealousy because I wasn't there. I, I wasn't saved. Before we started the church, back in 2003, my wife and I were praying for revival. It was in our personal prayer life. Lord, revive, bring revival. We want to be a part of a, another Jesus movement. We need revival. And then the church started. We found out we were the first church in Sunset Beach in over 100 years. Their community is over 100 years old. Sunset Beach has never had a church. And we're like, yes, Lord, revival. That's just a handprint of you, God, taking a city that's never had a church in their history, and now there's a church, and people are getting saved one by one. I believe we're seeing a trickle state of revival. I really do. Our Thursday night prayer meetings, you need to show up. They've been increasing, and they've been just, a, just the work of the Holy Spirit is just so wonderful going on on Thursday night. And one of the main things we're praying for is revival. The saturation of God's Holy Spirit in a community. And I, and I pray, it's, it's our prayer, it's been our prayer for since 2003 and just before 2003. Lord, do a revival in our community. And we've extended it past Sunset Beach to Seal Beach, Huntington Harbor, Huntington Beach, Long Beach, Orange County, California, the United States, and the world. Have you been listening to some of the things that are going the division we have, the division we have in the church, the division we have in politics, the division we have in the United States, the division we have between races, the division that's going on throughout the world? The only one thing that's going to fix that is God and his Holy Spirit bringing revival in the land. 
at our senior pastors conference, Greg Laurie was one of the speakers, and he was speaking on revival. And at the very end, he said, if anybody here, and there was some 1,500, I believe, I was told 1,500 pastors that were there and assistants and all, there was just a, a great group of, of people there with the pastor's wives and all. And at the end, Greg Glory says, if you want revival, if you want to be a part of a revival, come forward. How many people do you think came forward? Just about everybody. The ones that were still in their seats, they were spiritual. I'm they must have been like, whoa, these guys, they, they don't need revival. I guess they had their own personal revival going on. I don't know. But even if I was having my own personal revival on, I would still have gone forward to say, we need revival. It's personal, but I don't think we see it in America yet. I know we don't. Just about everybody came forward. We got on our knees and we called out to Jesus for revival again. Lord, bring revival. I found something that it's kind of interesting to break it down a little bit. Renewals when God touches the heart of a single individual. Revivals when God touches a community of faith. Awakening is when the wider society is impacted. So I guess we need to pray for awakening with revival. Amen? Do you guys desire revival? I believe it's God that's putting it on the hearts of his people. Where he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. Then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. If my people, and I believe that's why God is putting it on the hearts of the people in the body of Christ, in the church, because it's him. I think, you know, it's, it says, you know, delight yourself also in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I think as we delight in the Lord, he's putting his desire in our heart. And I believe his desire is revival an awakening, a a spiritual awakening in the land. I truly believe that. But if you can, look back in in your text with me. Look at verse 10. And crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is the, the, the multitude. They're thanking the Lord and they're crying out. They're basically saying, salvation belongs to you, God. Salvation belongs to the Lamb. Thank you, Lord. And, and they're just you know, going just on and on, just praising God and thanking him for salvation. But with this verse, I want to point out salvation belongs to our God and through Jesus Christ. Salvation is, there's no other way that a man can be saved is through God and through Jesus Christ. There's, there's no other way. And the, the, the good thing is I look at this, the excitement I get with this is the fact that that, that takes the pressure off of us. Salvation belongs to him. All we need to do is share. Do you ever get nervous sharing with people? You know, sometimes you, you go into the crowd, it's like, oh, God's calling you to talk to this person. You're like, oh, okay, God, give me the right words. And you're just like, and I believe that could be, you know, such a ripoff because the fact is salvation belongs to God. And if we could take the pressure off ourselves and say, wait a second, this, this doesn't, I'm not going to save anybody. I'm not going to, because sometimes we've got to save this person. You know, it's like, I've even had people say, Pastor, you know, can you go talk to so-and-so? We need to save them. And you have the words, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like no, we truly, I mean, that's great. I love it. And I go to places and I'll share the gospel, but, but we all have, it's, salvation belongs to God. And I think it takes, for me, it takes pressure off of me, realize salvation belongs to God and of Jesus. And all we need to do is share the good news of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's all we need to do. And sometimes people get mad and get upset, but we just have to, well, well, I'm just telling you the good news. It's changed my life, you know? So it's good news. You might call it bad news, but uh, hopefully you'll understand in time, this is good news. And we leave it with that. We leave it with God. When I was a young Christian, I really thought I was supposed to save everybody. All the co-workers I was working with, my friends, Billy Cavoli, Dominic, and I was just blasted. Every time I was like, you need Jesus and he's dying on the cross. You're going to go to hell. 
And I'm like, oh man, nothing's happening. God, I'm really giving him my best. I go back there tomorrow and try again. You know, it's like, God's like, wait, salvation belongs to me. Just love them and share the love of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tell them how much I love them. Salvation belongs to God. And the, the, the multitudes are standing before his throne saying, God, salvation belongs. You saved us. This multitude that we're, we're looking at, we're talking about, they're going to be on the earth and they're going to go through such terrible times. They're going to be part. They're not sealed like the 144,000. So they're going to get struck by the sun. They're going to get struck with hunger because they, they're not going to take the mark. They're not going to be able to eat. They're going to thirst. They're going to have all kinds of devastation that's going to take place. They're going to experience all of that. So now they go to heaven. They're, they're taken up to there and they go, thank you, Lord, you saved us. Salvation belongs to you, God. And it takes pressure off of us. On Wednesday in our day off, we're in Belmont Shore and and we were there. Someone was uh, out in front of Rite Aid. We went into Rite Aid to get something. And there was a man out there asking for money for his organization and all. So I started telling, you know, talking to him about Jesus. And, and he says, no, I'm a Christian. I said, oh, great. You know, so I was talking to him. And then you know, he started asking me questions about eschatology, end times. And, then, and he was like, well, is this going to happen? I said, no, no. According to the Bible, you know, this is the reason why I believe this is going to happen. He goes, oh, wow, that makes sense. And he, he was talking. And he says, well, what about this? And I says, well, I believe, you know, according to the Bible, you know, that says this is going to happen. And he's like, no way. And he's just like fascinated. And he's asking me all these questions like, man, I could have stood there for hours. And my wife's shopping. She comes back and she goes, well, honey, we got somewhere to go. I said, okay, hold on. What time are we supposed to be there? And I just, I love talking about this stuff. And it was so funny. As we're talking to one another, people are just, he had a, a bucket thing there. I mean, constantly, people are just dropping money and dropping money. We're just talking, not even paying attention to people. They go, oh, praise you, thank you, and they're just putting money. I says, man, Jesus is good for business. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing I was watching earlier, nobody was putting money in before, but we're talking about Jesus. Everybody's just coming by and just putting money in, and salvation belongs to God. And as I was talking to this guy, you know, I, I even wanted to make sure because he, you know, it was kind of questionable, his, his theology and his understanding, but I was just like, are you sure you're born again? You sure God's born? And then I'm like, he says, I'm sure. I said, okay, you know, I was just like, but I remember, I was just like, there's such peace, salvation belongs to God. Some years back when I was doing a, a Bible study at a nursing home, my friend and I would go to the, each room and talk to people about Jesus, share the gospel, and some would throw us out of the room, tell us to get out. Others would want to hear. And There's this one lady, Eunice was her name. And we shared the gospel with her. And we said, do you want to pray to receive Christ? She says, yeah, I'll pray to receive Christ. So we prayed for her. And after we prayed, I looked at her, her bed and I looked around her room. And she didn't have any flowers. She didn't have any pictures on the wall. She didn't have any cards on her table. She was just sitting there with a bed, with a, a stand, with nothing. And I realized that she's not getting too many visitations and not too many people are visiting her. And I said, Eunice, I want to tell you something. You just prayed to receive Christ, and that means you're my sister in Christ. And I said, I'm here like this day and this day, and I'm going to come by and see you because I I I'm excited about getting to know my new sister in Christ. And I, I'll never forget, she looked up at me from her bed and and she says, can I say that prayer again? And you know, when I grabbed her hand and she said that prayer again, she said it in a whole different way. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Salvation belongs to God. 
when we're in touch with his heart, when we're in touch with his Holy Spirit, and you know, he, he leads us to the people that he's drawing. He leads us to the people that, that he's convicting. It takes so much pressure off of us. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.